Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of the Backseat Pundits podcast hosted by um, myself, Rahul Mal, and, uh, and Brett Wilson who's on the line as well. Um, Hello. So, hi Brett, how are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. I'm very well. Conscious we've not done one of these in a in a while, in a couple of months, um, but I think uh, everyone's sort of, uh, you know, feeling ready and raring to go now um just to yeah to hopefully make this more of a consistent thing again um so yeah, yeah i'm definitely feeling ready and raring to go to to do that to be honest we certainly got a lot of sport to talk about oh my word we absolutely do um and uh, we're going to do a little bit of a roundup but uh, the one that we're going to be focusing on today is i mean i guess it's uh it's a bit like marmite you know, some people think it's okay, but most people either they love it or they hate it, and I think it's very clear what side of the what side of the fence that we sit on, or certainly I sit on. Uh, yeah. And we're going to be talking about the the wonderful, wonderful game that is cricket, uh, because so much has happened over the summer, um, so much is just about to happen, and uh, there's so much to look forward to as well, particularly from an England perspective. So that I think is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and uh, just to add, we now have a new email address. So if you have any questions or you think you might make a good guest for the show, um, you can email us at backseatpundits at gmail.com. Um, that's all one word, so backseatpundits at gmail.com. Um, and we'd love to have any questions or anything you think we can improve on. Um, so please send in any emails there. Um, all right. Great. Okay. So um, shall we kick off with the sports roundup? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So, um, so much to talk about in the world of sport uh, over over the last couple of months since, I guess, mid-August. So let's go through this as quickly as we can. Um, first things first, uh, had the Paralympic Games, um, which was a fantastic one for uh for team gb uh i think it was our best ever medal tally uh, and we came second in the table which was absolutely brilliant yeah um, unbelievable 124 medals 34 golds um and yeah definitely our, our best tally i think in certainly in recent history if not uh completely um in our history books so uh very very impressive it. especially with especially with all the the covid stuff as well for for athletes to yeah to kind of get through that and to deliver as they did is absolutely amazing. Um, so then after that, uh, the or oh, sort of soon after that, we had the the football, the Premier League season started. Um, obviously, Mohamed Salah started to go on his. Uh, and I know you were wondering how long it would take me to mention that. Um, started going on his absolutely mental scoring scoring streak. Um, but yeah, aside from that, we've obviously had a. And we'll we'll talk about this on another podcast, I think. But uh, a, a a Saudi-led uh, sort of takeover of Newcastle, um, and then we've had a some Nations League and some World Cup qualifiers as well. That uh, maybe maybe you've been to a couple of them, Brett. Yeah, yeah, of course I have. I think I may have seen a certain someone there at some of these. Uh, yeah, absolutely, these absolutely. Um, but yeah, so the Nations League, obviously, it was the finals in in uh, Milan and and France and now the the uh, champions of the Nations League. Um, Shows Italy are beatable, doesn't it? Yeah, although uh, um, I think they'll still be a very difficult team to be in the future. Um, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And then on the other hand, you've got England uh, in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, very uninspiring, I think, um, especially against Hungary, which was our last game. Um, we obviously sat there and watched most of it and it was um probably one of the worst yeah, it, performances it, it, we've seen from an england team. i would say so i would say so yeah it was uh but anyway obviously uh you know the team can't be good all the time at the end of the day still top of the group um you know and have done so well in the last couple of tournaments as well so i still think southgate's the one um, yeah, yeah. I th- I think anyway. Um, moving on to golf pretty quickly. Um, let's not talk about this too much. Um, from a Ryder Cup perspective, but from the Solheim Cup perspective, um, Europe were able to win that fifteen thirteen. So pr- pretty tight, but um, but a a you know good win over the United States. Um, for the for the women, for the men in the Ryder Cup, the story wasn't quite as <laughs> wasn't quite as rosy. Just got absolutely hammered um yeah. yeah it was a record record defeat wasn't it so um 
not great, but that US team, I think, um, yeah, very pretty strong. much all of them are ranked top twenty. And I think we've got, got a note oh. as well that uh, both those are in the US, so obviously it's 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 tricky um, for the European Absolutely. team to go over there. And I think a lot of fans couldn't get over there from Europe, so um, it very much was a US fan base and um, difficult place to go, which makes the the women's win uh, all the more impressive. Um, but sort of gives us an excuse for the men's men's loss, I think, as well. Yeah, let's see what happens in Rome in a couple of years' time. I'm not uh, I'm not massively massively confident for it, but um, yeah, that US team and some of the youngsters they've got going through is just uh, on a on a on a different planet. Speaking of the United States, um, so the NFL has started as well, and we've had uh, I think we've had a couple of uh, NFL games in this country. Yeah, yeah. So the last two weeks have been the the NFL London games, which have not been held for a few years now because of COVID. Uh, but we had a few teams come over this year. Um, and in the first game, we had the Atlanta Falcons playing the New York Jets um, with the Falcons winning that one. And then um, last weekend, we've just had uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, which is sometimes seen as the, the British team because they play over here very regularly uh, against the Miami Dolphins um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars winning in the last few seconds with a with an amazing that's very trick. much that's very much uh uh a bottom of the table clash isn't it i mean not that that's how the nfl works but um i looked at those two teams respective records and i'm not sure either one of them is going to be uh is going to be involved come playoff time to be honest but yeah the uh the last second win definitely um is 50 53 yards i think it was off the top Something of my head like no, it, over yeah. 50. it was yeah, uh, yeah absolutely smashed it yeah um, but they were um, obviously very successful. And then we've also got uh, something similar, I guess, to NFL. Um, but well, I was going to say the, going the, into... the proper the proper version yeah. of, a, uh, of, a, <laughs> of, a, of a contact uh, oval-shaped ball sport, correct? Yeah. Well, yes, but this one was being played in the Southern Hemisphere. So we, we've had the rugby championship now. Um, and the All Blacks actually won that fairly convincingly, although at the end we did see the Springboks beat them in the last last game. Um, and what was surprising was the Aussies actually beat the Springboks a few times as well. Yeah, the so. Wallabies did quite well, didn't they? I was quite surprised by that. Um, and they beat, did they beat them twice? I think they beat them twice, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, so it, it really was a, um, a triangle of people beating each other, uh, which really is quite hopeful for the next few years of rugby and, and the competitiveness of each of the games. So. Yeah, well, the, the All Blacks kind of, they, they'd won it by the last game, hadn't they? Because they won the first five, so... Um, but we can but hope we can but hope <laughs> yeah um moving on to moving on to uh boxing i just don't see how we can miss this one out so start off with the negative um in heavyweight boxing anti joshua's defeat to alexander usk um it's just an unbelievable performance um i know he's a cruiserweight but 6 foot 3 not exactly a small guy um but then Tyson Fury with uh, with just an epic win in a in a heavyweight fight for the ages, part of a trilogy from the ages um, against uh, against Deontay Wilder. Both got knocked down, and uh, no matter what you might think about Wilder's boxing style or personality, um, just his ability to stay standing is it's just. I, I could not believe it. Um, as was Tyson Fury. Um, I think anyone else on the planet. He, he got hit flush twice in the fourth and he got up both times. Yeah, um, they're both So yeah, warriors. just two absolute warriors. Yeah, exactly. Snap. Like just, it's the only word to describe them. Yeah. Um, moving on to something that's uh, perhaps a little, where, well, where there's no physical contact. The only, uh, you know, aside from the old racket throwing <laughs> is, uh, is tennis. Um, so um, fantastic year for British tennis, actually. Um Got to start off by talking about something that happened at the US Open. Yeah, and I think uh, it took us all by surprise, but we now have a, a British champion, um, a female British champion of, of the US Open in Emma Raducanu. Um, yeah, the first time since Virginia Wade back in the maybe late 70s or, or something like that. So really, really impressive. Yeah, amazing. And she didn't drop a single set and she played all the qualifying rounds as well. So uh, even more impressive than... Um, yeah, I don't even know what to compare it to. I mean, there's nothing really to compare it to, is there? That's the that's the amazing thing about it. Um, and we also have uh, a male 
uh, tennis star coming through in Norris, who has just won the Indian Wells uh, tournament. So hopefully yeah, he's gone up to rank sixteen, hasn't he? Yeah, I think as a result of that. So yeah, he definitely, definitely does. Um, and uh, he's got a chance of playing in the in the in the World Tour finals um, as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, and then just one other thing where we'll probably talk about this uh, at some point in the not too distant future is the Formula One. Uh, so we've had some incredible races. Won't go into the detail now, but Max Verstappen has a very, very narrow lead over Lewis Hamilton um, going into the, I guess, the final rounds of the... Yeah, there's, I think there's six races left on the calendar now, so... Yeah, assuming none the, get uh, cancelled. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they've, pl- they've had the uh, minimum number of races to uh, constitute a championship now. And obviously, we're just hoping we get to that last weekend in Abu Dhabi and... Um, and get to yeah. see a great conclusion to be honest yeah so yeah i think that's a sports roundup really so shall we go on to talking about the cricket yeah let's do it cool okay so cricket uh i guess we'll be quite england centric um but not too much and we're going to talk about cricket in um Probably starting from sort of halfway through the English summer and we'll talk about the England-India Test Series. So um, when you really think about it, you've got probably the best team in the world when you look at home and away in India um, and having all the bases covered. And then you've got England in English conditions with with Anderson and Root. Um, and I just think it was an absolutely fantastic series. It ebbed and it flowed. The matches were great. Um there was some some great fast bowling. There was some fantastic rear guard batting action, particularly from India at the Oval. I just thought it was. Uh, I just. I mean, I don't know what you made of it. I, I thought it was fantastic. I think what was so exciting was that each test had its own story as well, but they were all very very close, really. And well, apart from know, apart from Headingley, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think you just had some superstars coming through in each of the games. I think Root had some incredible performances. And then for, for the bowling, you know, we, we, we had Jimmy doing some incredible things. Um, and then you had some of the Indian players also coming through. So you, you had Sharma, Bumrah bowling some incredible overs. Um, it was really just, yeah kind of took your breath yeah, was, away sometimes didn't it it was just it did i mean the, the first test ended in a draw but india needed i think uh, 150 odd on the last day with nine wickets in hand um now we know with um with the weather around and england's ability particularly with with jimmy anderson um who is i mean i just there's very few superlatives to, to describe him anymore um you know that 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 would have been a fantastically poised game probably thinking that might have might have got away with it and been slightly happier with the rain um, than India. Um, then at Lords, I mean, Jay Root smashed some runs, but um, you know, KL Rahul, I, I was there on day one at Lords, and the way Rahul and Rohit are able to bat in foreign conditions is unlike anything I've seen from an Indian opening pairing before. And when you combine that with you know, the the fielding and the seam bowling, it, it really does show that India have now become, in my opinion, a very very rounded team and we definitely saw that in both the tests in London where they, where they won both of them um but yeah the the Lord's test I have to say having India I think 140 ahead seven wickets down with only the tail left and two to be declared on um because Shami and Bumrah who both average single digits both go out and get you know, they put on an 80 something run partnership. Yeah, it's crazy, it's, wasn't it? I think it's a bit. I mean, I don't know. Joe Root's obviously a fantastic player. Um, do you think he's only captain because no one else is guaranteed in the team? It's really difficult. I mean, without being in the dressing room, we're not quite sure what sort of leader he is. Maybe he is an excellent motivator and something that we obviously don't see. Um, I think also sometimes you, you do see him on the pitch leading. You know, there was a lot of performances there that he he actually did basically just carry England's batting. Oh yeah, he leads um, by example. There's no there's no denying that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, who else would be captain? I guess is what you're saying. Um, yeah. And I kind of agree. There's not really anyone that jumps out at me. Um, but that doesn't mean 
my opinion that Joe Root doesn't deserve to be captain himself on what he's achieved. Although we we need to start thinking about changes in the test team given the results that are coming through. Um, and so maybe we need to start considering someone to take over from Root in the near future. Yeah, it just looks like it's quite concerning for me because I don't I don't really think there's an obvious candidate, and um, that's quite that is quite concerning. I I just mean I th- I think England obviously there are weaknesses there, but one thing I was quite disappointed in is England showed a mental weakness and they got drawn into you know India's game, and at the end of the day, India no, India want to win, right? That's mm, that's what yeah. India and Australians are like. Um, you know and and those kind of teams and they want to win at any cost and whether that means uh well as long as it's i guess fair um and whether that means you know playing on certain pitches um you know uh being aggressive in certain ways really taking gamesmanship at the end of the day india aren't doing it because it's personal they're doing it to win um and i feel that late on i think it was late on day three when boomer was bowling those bounces to anderson um, I think it was very clever what India were doing because I think they wanted to get the same back from England. Um, and obviously England duly obliged. Um, and when Shami and Bumrah were batting together, I think I saw a stat, something like in the hour and a half before lunch. So best part of a session. Um, I think like one or two balls would have hit the stumps. Yeah, And they had more people on the fence to Bumrah's first ball than they did to Rishabh Pant. Now, that is, um, when you say it like that, and I understand in the heat of the battle, the heat of the moment, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do Joe Root's job, obviously. Uh, I'm not talking about skill. I'm talking about, you know, the, the captaincy and the tactics side. But when you say it like that, and we're holding people to the standards of, you're meant to be one of the best five captains in the world at least if you're leading england yeah um it sounds pretty poor if you ask me i don't know it just sounded it was really really strange um yeah i don't yeah. i don't think india batted particularly brilliantly i mean they 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 took it on i respect the fact that Bumrah, you know he wasn't just trying to take singles he was happily facing mark wood but the, there is no way in hell that you should be conceding 85 for whatever runs to Boomer and Shami and getting declared on. Um, and then everyone's going, oh, maybe it's a flat pitch. Uh, you know, England will definitely survive. <laughs> Not definitely, but maybe England will survive yeah. two sessions and just collapsing like yeah. a pack of cards. Yeah. That's another So that to me shows a me. Yeah, it just shows a bit of a weak mentality. And it's really strange because you have people think England is sort of some sort of inexperienced team. They're not. You know, if you look at the combined number of test appearances in that team, it's not huge. It's not like, you know, mid-2000s Australia, but it's not low. You know, you've got a bowler there with over 150 appearances. Um, You know, you've got a captain, Jay Root, you know, who's played a, a very good number of games now. Um, You know, got Stuart Broad, who sometimes plays, sometimes is in the wings. Uh, Moen Ali was in that squad, I think. You got, you know, Bairstow, Butler. Obviously, Stokes wasn't there. Um, Rory Burns isn't really a novice anymore, if you ask me. So it was, and and he's 31 anyway, and he's captain Surrey for so long. So, yeah, I I, I was quite disappointed, to be honest, from that perspective of the England performance. What Mm. I would say is the way they came back at Headingley after such a shambolic performance was... um, yeah, was pretty outstanding actually. Yeah, it was a, an awesome test match for England fans, um, and it pushed yeah Root to be England's most um, most wins as a captain of the international team. So again, there's something there that that shows that Root maybe is the right man for the job at the moment. Um, and again, his batting performance in that was was excellent. Um, yeah, then we then we go to test four, um, uh, where we kind of I guess we just crumbled again. So it's um, it's just so hit and miss with this team, I think. Um, and I think that this series really showed that. You know, there were some games where we really dominated 
the Indian batters and there were others where we just really fell apart. Um, I don't know what you made of, of the differences between, you know, test three and then going into test four. Um, I mean, I think fundamentally one of the key differences between the third and the fourth tests was, well, in my opinion, was the, the conditions. So at the Oval, it's very different to Headingley. Headingley was, I was, I was at both. Um, Headingley was not, not, to, not to play into a stereotype, but the ball was swinging. It was cold. It was cloudy. Um, it was obviously challenging batting conditions. The Oval, uh, is, you know, the, the weather was brilliant all week from, from what I recall. Um, and the other difference was, is that I feel that at Headingley, it was the first time India were really tested and wilted under the pressure. In the first innings, they did it. Then second innings, they played really well on, I think it was day three. Um, and then they lost nine wickets in a session uh, on, on, on day four to get absolutely you know thrashed. Yeah. Um, whereas at the Oval, when India were under pressure, there was a <laughs> an inspired change that I think a lot of people weren't expecting um, because I think a lot of people were expecting Ravi Ashwin to come into the team. Um, but it was, of course, um, was it, uh, Shard- Shardul Taka came into the team um, and came out and started swinging, playing straight, hitting the ball through the line and and twice really dug India out of um, a sticky situation. And in the second innings, it, it took them to a, you know, what you'd have to say is a, is a pretty massive score, right? Um, so yeah. we got a 36 ball 57 in the first innings. And then the second innings, he got 60 of 72. And again, uh, the second innings, there's no way India should have put 466 on the board. Absolutely no way. Yeah. Um, from where they were. You know, Boomer got another, I think before this series, Boomer had, had only passed 20 once in test cricket. I think he did it three times. Um, so, so yeah, I think there was a, there was a mentality shift uh, and a condition shift um, and neither really went in England's favour. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to hear your opinion on that. Um, I think given you were at the games, you have a much better feeling of cricket as well. Um, I have to say going to day five, going to day five at the Oval, I was, I was really excited um, uh, but I think it became very, very clear that sort of well, at lunchtime there was still a lot of runs to get, and uh, England had obviously lost a couple of wickets, and then yeah, then Jasper Bumrah came out and just time, absolutely ran through, it, um, just yeah. ran through the team. To be honest, unbelievable, one of the best live spells I've seen. I wasn't really behind the bowler's arm as well, but just the the atmosphere, the intensity, you, you could almost feel it, what it was like out in the middle. Um, yeah. You could tell in England just, the, the phrase all over them <laughs> came to mind quite a lot during that spell. Um, and I've never really seen a spell like that live. Um, too quick, too in control, too accurate, and just too good. Yeah. Uh, and then we had, we had the unfortunate test five that never actually happened. Um <sighs> Yeah. Kind of uh, the... What do you reckon? I've got some strong opinions, but I want to know what you think. Well, obviously, I think the health of the players comes first and their safety. Um, but it, I think we all felt a little left, uh, sorry, let down. Um, and I think it was also partly because the, the test series had been so good that we were everybody was kind of really hyped for that test because it was uh, basically a decider on whether England could dig themselves back out of a, a hole again or whether India were going to kind of um, dominate the English and, and take home quite a significant test series victory. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was obviously very disappointed. Um, what's your, what are, what are your strong opinions on this? I just think it's, uh, it's just a shambles from basically everyone involved. Um, what I mean by that is that whoever's kind of in charge needs to have something in place where 
you can't wake up on the day of the test match and people be like, oh, well, we've still not made a decision. That's incredibly unfair on people that are traveling. Um, obviously, you know, hotels are already booked and stuff and tickets are already paid for. But you only get a re- refund on your ticket. You don't get a refund on anything else. People that have taken the day off work. Um, you know, it, 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 it seems very kind of shoot itself in the foot. Um, yeah. So that was quite disappointing. Um, I was slightly disappointed from an India player's perspective. Um, I do kind of have some sympathy. And what I mean by that is that um, due to the scheduling, uh, they had to travel out to to Dubai for the IPL. And it's not that they're prioritizing IPL over test cricket. It's that if they come into contact with someone who's had COVID, there was some restriction around going to the bubble in Dubai and they'd have had to do or in the UAE, I should say, and they'd have had to do, um, I think, like another 10 days or something in quarantine. Obviously, no one wants to do that, so they didn't want to risk going near anyone yeah. who could test positive. They didn't have any physios, um, which is obviously a big concern. Um, so from that perspective, I do have sympathy. What I don't like is I think it wasn't very well communicated. I think fundamentally no one actually tested positive on the day of the game from what i know um i also don't like the fact that um they knew that if someone contracted covid this would happen and yet um let's just say there were some videos coming out about certain coaches doing certain book signings with just really quite um a poor (laughs) attempt at social distancing or staying in these so-called bubbles um so and yeah sometimes you can understand it when someone's been cooped up in a hotel room but you don't need to do a book signing with hundreds of people there and without masks on standing right next to you you can do that if you want but then don't um don't react in this way when i guess someone someone catches something i i think anyway so that's quite i understand it's quite a strong opinion but you know, it was just a letdown. Um, I I should say let down by Michael Vaughan's comments saying it was all about money. It's not. These players have got more money, you know, especially the, yeah. the India T20 yeah, yeah. players. They're, they're not worried about the money. Um, it is, and to be honest, the, when it comes to the rights and stuff, um, this wasn't exactly not a money spinner and, and the BCCI will have to pay, or you would assume will have to compensate the ECB in some way, uh, compensate the ECB in some way. So, um but you know, um, well, Michael Vaughan, obviously, such a such an amazing captain, um, and someone whose captaincy, whether it was him, whether it was the team, you know, really got me into cricket in the O five Ashes. That's what got me into Test match cricket um, in the way that I am. But um, let's just say, as a pundit, I don't. Uh, whether he's talking about cricket issues or cricket related issues. Uh, I don't take everything he says as uh, as law. Let's put it like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But it is what it is. So yeah, an interesting situation. Um, what should happen to the series? Uh, yeah. I don't think India forfeited. I don't think India forfeited the fifth game. I don't think India forfeated it. I don't. I, know, I just I think the test didn't happen. Yeah. I so, don't think it was still um, just a. Should they do a fifth? Should they do a fifth test next summer? Maybe instead of instead of some of the T20s or ODIs. I don't know, but you know, is that fair? Does that make it the same series? You can't really finish the series the year after, can you? So, um, it's a really, really tricky one. Um, India won't want this to go down as a, as a loss and therefore a drawn series because Virat Kohli has a has a chance to, you know, to go abroad, to be Australia, to be England, um, and then we'll also look be looking to go abroad to South Africa, and I think um, that's uh, later this year, I think, um, and win in South Africa. And for a for a captain of a team which comes from, you know, more uh, spin friendly conditions, to go to those three nations and get those three w- series wins would be, in my opinion without any shadow of a doubt, Indian cricket's greatest achievement. Without any shadow of a doubt. And and daylight second. So 
um, yeah, he'll really want that, I think. Yeah, no, I think he, he will, and uh, he should do. I mean, they're all very competitive, and you want that in the, in the international cricket. Um, but yeah, for me, I, don't, I just don't see this fifth test ever, ever really getting rescheduled. Um, I think it might just kind of disappear into the abyss, and you know, people look back on the series as just a four-test series. Um, it just never ended, yeah. really. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, you're right. It was it was quite sad, but that's it. Speaking about things that definitely aren't going to disappear into the abyss. Yeah. Should we talk about the 100? We should talk about the 100. Um, now we've seen the whole tournament and we can kind of look back on it and, and decide whether we like it or uh, whether we'll go again. Um, what were your sort of initial thoughts? I know you went to the finals um and i think you you went to the 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 playoff as well didn't you um the eliminator um what was it like at the business end of this tournament um well at the business end it was it it, it wasn't too different to the rest of it i guess um it was um i mean the eliminator was a pretty pathetic game um because one team just got absolutely hammered and you could tell and i guess this is the problem with the shorter formats you can kind of tell after about literally 45 minutes of play what's going to happen. And um, that's not what you want. Um, the final itself was a, a great spectacle. Um, so it was uh, like like all of the games, uh, a double header. So we went to see the women's game first, um, which was an absolute uh, yes. thrashing, uh, yes. to be honest, um, by the Oval Invincibles over, I think, the Southern Brave. Um, and then in the in the men's final Southern Brave were deserved winners and there was Liam Livingston for Birmingham Phoenix was there with Mo and Ali and they needed a lot but he was in Liam Livingston mode and he was hitting some big sixes and he was just dominating and then they ran a seconder for Missfield and they say don't run it for Missfield but you're not expecting the fielder to from square leg aiming at one stump from the boundary to hit it full flush and run you out by, you know, a couple of inches. Um, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, I, I was, I don't even know if he was going for the run out. I think he was just trying to get it into the wicket keeper as quickly as he could, but he just, it was, you know, we, we had the perfect reverse angle. We were right behind the throw and um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure how it makes it easier for people to get into cricket than T20 cricket. Mm. I'm not sure. So these are my cons. I'm, I'm saying not sure. Let's say you did get into the hundred, why it would be easier to migrate from the hundred to 50 over in test cricket rather yeah. than from 2020 to 50 over in test cricket. Um, because of the, the complexities and the differences actually, but the pros are, um, and this is an accident. This wasn't supposed to happen, but due to COVID, it did. Um, having the double headers now, because it's slightly shorter than the T20, you can genuinely start uh, the women's game and then have the men's game and have them on the same afternoon and have crowds coming to watch the women's game, which I think is excellent. Um, and I think it's something different and something people want to play in. And definitely in the women's tournament, you had. Um, international players from all around the world you know including india uh, who obviously don't play in the men's tournament due to i think yeah, contractually they they're not allowed well, they're, yeah they're not allowed to play um for in, in any other tournament other than the ipl um yeah i i i, I thought it was th- there's definitely a lot there um my issue is yeah do we need a fourth format and how does it work in the schedule um but I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think it was a bit long. That's the only other thing I'd say. It was mm. a bit of overkill. Yeah, I think I agree what with you, What did you make of it? Yeah, I think I, I was, yeah, I think I agree with basically everything you've said, you know. I think the, the women's tournament was um, really, really good for, for the women's game. Um, you saw some of the I, top... I preferred the women's tournament overall. Yeah, I think you saw some of the top players, as you say, from around the world, not just from, from England. Um, and it really was like uh, watching the pinnacle of, of, of women's cricket. Um, the men, you obviously lost um, some of that with the with the overseas players not coming in in the same sort of um, numbers. 
Um, you also, we had the test series, I think, in the middle of it. So you lost quite a lot of the big names of the, of the English players. Um, and that some of those were sort of the big attractions to, to quite a number of the teams. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was quite a long tournament. I think the T20 blast overlapped with it. Um, and so you kind of lost some of the, the, the prestige of that tournament, I guess, with the, with the focus on the 100. And there very much was a focus on the 100. You know, the BBC was showing it, Sky was showing it. It was the, yeah. the big cricket tournament of the summer. Um, and so, yeah, you kind of, as you say, what, what's going to happen to the sort of T20 um, part of the season? Uh, and, and again, you know, the, the slight rule changes do make it odd to kind of move um, fans to go and then view sort of ODI cricket and test cricket. Um, and I think a lot of them won't, although I think the 100 was good at getting sort of families going to cricket, younger people into cricket. I just don't see it being that sort of gateway to uh, the longer version of the sport. Um, and in many ways, you know, going down from T20, which is already quite a short game, you're kind of getting even shorter uh, and the attention span of fans is becoming less and less. And it's like, I, I just don't see someone going to the hundred as a first time fan of cricket and then deciding, oh, I want to go watch a day at the test. Um, which I think is a shame. I don't see the 100 disappearing. I think it'll be back. Um, and maybe it'll improve over the next few years in terms of uh, sort of the quality of players that come in as, as the pandemic um, slowly disappears. And um, it becomes more prestigious as uh, you get different winners. Um, but yeah, so some successes towards it, but also I'm not sure it was... Um, the magical tournament that the, the English cricket board had hoped it would be. Yeah, I think that's all very, very reasonable. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's, let's see, let's see how it goes for the next few years. I'm, I'm quite intrigued to be really honest. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's just how I think it's going to be. Mm. Um, one thing that they're really going to have to work out is how it fits alongside the rest of the tournaments. Um, let's not go into the detail on that because I could, I could bore everyone to death on that, but um, <laughs> it seems very strange that between, you know, kind of like mid June and like September, there's like one first class match gets played. That that seems so weird, um, really, really weird, and and they're going to have to work out the balance, I guess. In this, in in this year, it was a post-COVID year, and well, sort of, I guess, in the sense during COVID year, and uh, that that gave extra logistical challenges as well. So, hopefully, they work it out. I think they will. I just hope the players don't end up bowling, you know, so many more overs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm, yeah. Um, so, so that's what I reckon. Um, just a quick one. On, on cricket, don't need to talk about it too much. Um, but it's the IPL. Um, so yeah. another magnificent win um, for Chennai Super Kings. Um, MS Dhoni not not being refusing to be drawn in to talk about his future. <laughs> uh, the IPL is pretty much the only cricket he does now. But um, uh, just um, I think in terms of great franchises in world sport, and I know it's the IPL, it's not exactly the Premier League or the NBA or whatever, but um, Chennai Super Kings have missed two seasons of the, of the IPL um, mm. because they were, they were banned. So they've participated in, I think, I think 11 seasons um, and just unbelievably they've failed to make the playoffs in one of those 11 seasons. Um, also 12 seasons that's it they've done 12 seasons they failed to make the playoffs in one of those 12 seasons and I think they they've got three wins uh, sorry four wins sorry and five losses so in those 12 seasons they've made nine finals um, and they failed uh, to make the playoffs once. Isn't it, really? now, that's in a tournament where uh, there's a draft system where every three years you can only retain a certain number of players, um, where people move in and out, where people aren't always available. 
um, because of international commitments, it is absolutely, I think, incredible. I, mm. I actually do. I just, I can't believe it. And it, I think a lot of it's testament to the core of the side, but also Emma Stoney as a captain and as a leader, I think is, uh, well, he's, he's an ever-present constant uh, in that team. Uh, and I think that's really, really impressive. So, so yeah, so that's that really. Um, shall we briefly talk about the World 2020? Yeah, I mean, there's um, something I think we'll talk a bit more about in the next few weeks because it's only definitely. really just started um, and it's really come off the end of the IPL. I mean, that's finished, uh, I think, last weekend and we've really just seen the start of the T20 now. Um, so, uh I mean, what are your what are your predictions for the sort of end stages of that tournament? Um, gosh, <laughs> it's it's always a hard one to predict. I think there are three teams that really stand out to me, like really, really stand out to me as mm-hmm. teams that could, uh, or the, 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 I guess, kind of should uh, win it. Um, and that is, um, or, or, or should be really kind of in, in, in contention, I should say. Um, the first one of those is England. Mm-hmm. I think England's limited over setup is absolutely unbelievable. I think England have the lovely problem of not knowing who their best 11 is. And it's because just absolutely brimming with people that can bat. Every single bowler in England's squad, apart from one or two, can bat. Um, in fact, I think every single one can. So you've got just just thinking of the batting alone. I mean, you've got Butler, who's going to open the batting. He's one of England's greatest ever white ball players. Um, Johnny Bairstow, who's outstanding. Uh, Owen Morgan is the captain. You've got um, obviously Joe Root hasn't even gone. Um, you've got Liam Livingston, Dawid Milan, you know, who are ranked up there with any T20 players in the world. Yeah. Um, there's no Ben Stokes, there's no Joffrey Archer, there's no Joe Root, and England is still this good. Tim Al Mills bringing in a bit of express pace. Um, Chris Jordan, who's a great all-rounder, great fielder. Tom Curran, obviously Sam Curran um, was injured. Um, all of those guys can bat. David Willey can bat fantastically. Uh, obviously, we've got Jason Roy up the order, I should say. Um, Adil Rashid, one of the leading spinners in um in white ball cricket, Moe and Ali, uh, who can bat as well. Um, it is just an absolutely stacked squad. Yeah. Um, Chris Wokes can bat, Mark Wood can bat. They can obviously both bowl. Um, yeah, really, really, really impressive. Um, the other teams I look at, it's hard to look past India. Their top three is going to be Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli and Kel Rahul. Um, you know, Rishabh Pant's in that team. Jadeja yeah. and Ashwin have been recalled um, as, as the white ball spinners. Uh, Jasprit Bumrah, lethal bowler in this format. Hardik Pandya is a fantastic all-rounder in this format. Shami, Shadal Thakur. I mean, it's it's a very, very, very good side. Yeah, and the they, other two... They beat, us, they beat us today in the warm-up game um, by six wickets. So they, they did... I did watch a bit of it and they looked uh, pretty strong, the Indian team. I mean, England batted well, but um, so definitely agreeing with you on those two teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, and those two are probably the two that will fancy themselves as the two favourites. The other two that I think, because of the conditions and because of the players they have, um, I think Pakistan, you can never really um, write off. Um, you've got uh, their top three is probably going to be, I think, uh, you know, uh, Fakar Zaman, uh, Babar Azam and um, Safra Azamad. And Safra Azamad and Babar Azam are two of the I think they're the two highest run scorers in T20 cricket this year um they've got a good bowling attack they've got a lot of experience people like Shoaib Malik 39 years old Mohammed Hafiz 41 years old um they've got as Shadab is, is, is an all-rounder as well they've got Shaheen Afridi I think he's six foot six uh rapid bowler doing really well in test cricket at the moment um I think uh you write them off at you uh, at your peril yeah. Um, and then the other team who I think have got a really good chance of the West Indies. Um, yeah, they've got Kieran Pollard and Dwayne Bravo, uh, who, you know, just absolutely yeah, just fantastic. Hitters, 
yeah, Chris Gale, uh, incredibly skilled, massive hitter. Andre Russell, again, so much power in this team, but also uh, bags of skill as well. We have Evan Lewis, Andre Russell, um, Lendl Simmons. So some pretty aggressive openers there. Yeah. Um, very quick bowlers, some pretty canny uh, spin bowlers as well. Um, my real pain with this team and just everything to do with West Indies cricket is that Sunil Narayan is not picked. Um which is just, I think if they had him, I'd, I'd probably make them amongst my favourites. Um, so those are the teams that I think that are going to do well. Um, Afghanistan have got great spinners, and obviously with everything that's been going on this year, wish them you know, especially all the best. Um, Australia are just, they can't stop losing in T20 cricket. They were yeah. absolutely hammered by Bangladesh. And Bangladesh lost to Scotland yesterday, so yeah, um, I don't look at anything to do with this Australia team and feel much... Uh, Bangladesh lost to Scotland, so that <laughs> sums up my opinion about them. Um, who else is there? Ireland, you know, probably aren't going to win it. Uh, Namibia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, New Zealand, I don't think they really have it. I don't think they've got runs in that team. Um, you know, it's gone of the days of sort of, you know, Brendan McCullum, you know, Guptill on brilliant form, someone like uh, uh, Corey Anderson. It's, it's, it's just... Uh, you know, Luke Ronkey, and uh, they don't really have that team at the moment. Um, a wonderful bowling lineup. Is it is it that useful in the UAE conditions to have a great swing bowling attack in 2020 cricket? I'm not so sure. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're light, some spinners um, as well. Uh, and then the other of the, I guess, the full teams that are there are uh, or Sri Lanka technically, but they've been they've been awful for a while. Um, I honestly, I, I think I watch a lot of cricket. I probably couldn't name more than five members of their squad, and it's such a shame because I've loved Sri Lankan cricket. My favourite player ever is Kumar Sangakkara, um, and you know their, their teams of the last you know, 10, 20 years ago. I probably could name the whole squad, but um, yeah, I don't really fancy them too much at all. South Africa, an interesting one. I mean, they haven't picked Faf Duplessis, who uh, I think was second highest run scorer in the IPL at, at some ridiculous average and, and got 80 of about 50 balls in the final. Um, and I look at their team and I'm not sure who's like better than him. So I'm not sure what the logic was there. Um, they've got some good players. Quinton de Kock's dangerous. Heinrich Klaassen's dangerous. David Miller, Aidan Markram, sort of dangerous with the with the bat and then they've got some really really quick bowlers with Rabada and Nortia and Ngidi and um and yeah. then they've got so sort of, you know, a couple of really good spinners in Shamsi and, and Maharaj so I, I I don't see them winning it um no for me it's going to be that between those four teams and those four teams should be looking to be the four semi-finalists we've got two in each group um yeah, right, yeah. and uh yeah I'm actually going to uh, India Australia and Dubai next uh Weekend after next. Wow, that's so, exciting. I'm really excited for that. I know, I'm going out the weekend after India-Pakistan. That would have been incredible, obviously. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the I suppose the second biggest rivalry in cricket is uh, England-Australia. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll definitely have my... Um, yeah, definitely be supporting England big time in that one. So uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, to be honest. And then, um, well, I guess that leads us on... Um, with the Ashes squads, we should briefly mention this uh, before we wrap things yeah. up. Yeah, what's your take on the Ashes squad? Because I I just feel a bit uneasy. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced we're going to do that well. Um, I mean, I'm always hopeful, and I look at the squad and I think that you know there is talent in there, and, and on their day they they can they can definitely pull a result out. Um, but it's not giving me much confidence i would say um to me uh, it looks like a bunch of a bunch of batters who don't really bat that quickly and average at like 35 and a bunch of you know fast medium bowlers who with a duke's ball under gray skies would be fantastic but the gabber and a, well not the whacker but at, but at perth um hmm. I, i'm not too sure uh, where, where are the 20 wickets coming from obviously i hope i'm wrong and obviously James Anderson is amazing and him and Broad, yeah. and, you know, they can do bits. Where's the spinner taking all the wickets? I mean, Jack Leach has done very well, but yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it seems a very safe squad. And um, I don't mean safe in the sense that 
we're guaranteed to not lose 5-0 because I think if I had to put money on a result, I I, I would consider that one. Um, but again, hope I'm wrong. But it just looks to me like a team where, where's the roll of the dice? You know, someone like Liam Livingston, someone just yeah, a bit different. Get some runs, okay. yeah. You know, or someone like... Um, uh, oh, I've totally, totally forgotten his name now, actually. Um, but the uh, Lancashire fast bowler. Um, I'm totally forgetting his name now. But um, it, yeah, I, I just think someone, someone who's really, really quick. Sakib Mahmood, that's it. Um, and oh, yeah, uh, he's had a good season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had a good couple of years, and just but they're, they're a bit different. You know, don't look at someone's county championship averages. Yeah. You know what? what's the X factor? You know, you need, you need who's going to play those one or two good innings that do win you a test match or who's going to t- deliver those. And, and that England team to me, I, I'm not sure I would like, I would have liked to see a couple more rolls of the dice. Yeah. I think I, I think the same, um, but we'll have to wait and see for that one. Um, I hope I'm we, massively wrong. Shall we round things off? Um, yeah, go on. Let's have a wrap up. So yeah, let's let's so, have a look ahead to the future. Well, there's a few exciting things up. You know, we mentioned the F1 earlier. That we're, we're coming into the last six races. That's neck and neck. So that's really going to be an exciting few races. Um, Incredible. Also, also going into the autumn Come on, test, Lewis. test season for rugby. So the Southern Hemisphere teams coming up uh, and playing some of the Northern Hemisphere teams. So there's a yeah. I think some, you're you're going to the to the Tonga game, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see England Tonga. Um, and then I'm also going to see England play the Springboks as well. So we'll um, we'll see if England actually manages to stand up to that. Enjoy uh, watching Marcus Smith because he is absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable. He's um, his try for Harlequins. I think I think when they when he came on against Bristol the other week, they were 24 points to three down or something. And then they scored like 50 unanswered points and he just bossed the game. And then oh, this try he scored, he, he, he is he is mustard. <laughs> He's so good. He's yeah. so good. And the thing's so, like 21. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of exciting rugby there, I think. And we'll, we'll see some new stars coming through. Um, and then obviously we've got the Premier League and Champions League ongoing. Um, and we're obviously invested in that with our with our two teams, so. Well, there's nothing to talk about there. Liverpool obviously going to win both of them, so you know, easy. Yeah, we'll done. see. We'll see. Boring. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll start to play out what's actually going to happen in the season. You know, we've had the start of the season now, and now it's really time for teams to 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 start grinding out the results. I think as we. Come I'm excited. In. To, I'm excited about you know talking about this. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um. And I think, yeah, that's that's kind of the the big things coming up in the near future. And hopefully we'll be also coming up with new episodes more regularly than we have been. Uh, yeah, maybe we can get a, a few guests on. Yeah. So if you have any, any ideas uh, of what you want us to talk about, or if you think you would like to come on uh, and talk to us about a specific topic, then uh, please email us. Again, our, our uh, email address is backseatpundits at gmail.com um, and we'll be very interested to to hear from you guys um, and hopefully we'll be back in two or three weeks 